This is a Poets and Writers page one author reading. To hear more, visit us at pw.org forward slash multimedia or at soundcloud.com forward slash poets and writers. The Shape of Sound When I began studying anatomy, I was daunted by the extent of the new vocabulary. I had to reconfigure the human body into a multitude of small elements, each with a specific name. Even seemingly insignificant corners and bumps of bones had names. In time, these landmarks became more obvious once I understood their purpose. I was learning the geography of bones, the rough patches where muscles latch on, the notches and shallow indents that serve as passageways for blood vessels and nerves to crisscross the body. But until that knowledge cohered inside my body, so that whenever I palpated warm skin, I could picture what lay beneath, I was bewildered as I waded through lists of names. Most anatomical terms come from Latin and ancient Greek. It was comforting to think about the syllabus as a language rather than as lists of obscure words. Through exhausting repetition, I learned the new combinations of letters and sounds by rote. Eventually, they folded into my memory and replaced the language I used to know for the body. Collarbone to clavicle, shoulder blade to scapula, shin bone to tibia, and so on. It took me longer still, years in fact, to realise that the words in their original form were names for simple, everyday objects. Clavicle, for instance, comes from the classical Latin word clavicula, which means small key, bolt. This long, thin bone performs an elegant twist whenever the arm lifts, like a key turning in a lock. The scapula is a flattish bone with a pointed tip. Its name is derived from scape, to cut, scrape. Not only does the shoulder blade resemble a shovel, it's thought that the scapulas of animals were once used as such, blades for cutting and scraping the earth. Then there's the shin bone, a long straight bone, tibia, means a pipe or flute. And for a time, these instruments were made from bone. But the early anatomist nomenclature came undone when they got a, to a portion of the hip bone. Since the curved and somewhat knobbly bone does not resemble any known objects, they called it the anominate, Latin for not named. Once we know the origins of these words, the boundaries between our bodies and the world becomes permeable. Just as our bodies are named after commonplace items, our built world has taken on anatomical terms. A building can have good bones. There is the heart of a house. Roads are the arteries of a city. In considering the poetics of space, or more specifically the form and function of buildings, the French philosopher Gaston Bachard used a touchstone phrase, I am the space where I am. Perhaps there is no real boundaries at all. The languages of buildings and bodies are so intertwined they are almost circular. How we understand the world is through our bodies, and how we understand our bodies is through the world. 
When the bones of the body meet one another side by side or end to end, they articulate. From the Latin word articulus, separated into joints. The commonplace meaning for articulate beyond the body is clear, distinct speech, as if each word in a sentence has been separated into joints. When the bones of a building meet one another sturdy and upright and angled for load-bearing, they are called joints, and it is in these narrow spaces where walls meet, say in the corner booth of a cafe or backed up against the wall of a bar, that sound, at least for me, becomes articulate. Walls do the work of funneling voices towards me, allowing speech to become distinct and clear. I am the space where I am, on the edges, cornered.